Hello and welcome to the Judgment Day Refreshment Committee. I am your host as ever, sexy, sexy Dory Peacock. With me today as always, it's my favorite saucy Tim Fomaniac, Timothy Maurice. All is lost, ladies and gentlemen. There's no coming back from to this morning for me. Oh, Timothy, always ready with the apocalypse. Well, I, I, I ended up having one of those days where the first thing I ate was gas station taquitos. So, so going pretty good is what we're saying. Um, <laughs> In a way, we have a special guest on this episode. Someone we admire, Allison Dillmeyer. Welcome, Bill Meyer. Bill Meyer. Oh. <laughs> Bill, Bill Meyer. Hello, Allison. Hello. <laughs> Allison, how, where did you come from? Where do you go? Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Where Joe? did I go? Um, I am in the actor training program at the University of Utah, and I know Tim from Woot. work. Woot. I was also a theater major. Welcome. Very lovely. Yeah. And Allison is here today to talk to us about... Heathers. We've been promising this episode forever, and it's finally here. And we didn't want to do it, but we're contractually obligated, so now we have to. We have talked, we, we, we went to watch this movie and we were like, hang on a tick. This is like a really hard movie to cover when there has been a lot of actual violence in schools. And then this week, even, uh, at the time of this recording, we are like less than two weeks out from the shooting at, uh, the, what was the name of the high school? Stoneman, in Flo- Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Florida. So... This is, um, this, this was a hard one, but we it's, have talked it up so much that we decided we had to just bite the bullet and do it. And it's bite the bullet. It's an old, that's an old surgery reference. It's a, oh, is it? It is. They would bite bullets? They'd make you bite a bullet when you were getting your leg cut off. Was it live? What do you mean, was it live? Like, if, like, what if you bite it so hard it goes off in your mouth? That's not how bullets work at all. Are you sure? I am certain. Okay, fine. Yeah, I, it's gonna get hashtag too real. Yeah. Because that's what what we live in. Uh, we're going to start with our news, or we're going to go with our news right now. Yeah, what's the news? The fun news is that I watched the pilot of the new Heather's TV show that I was hoping wasn't terrible um, in vain. Uh, it's now been pulled. <gasps> it, it's been pulled from the airwaves it's, f- forever? It, it was on Paramount Network's website and iTunes, and they took it off, and they're like, uh, and they just, and they postponed the release date in in two. We don't know when. Oh dang! Probably because it was too real. Yeah, probably. Uh, Allison, did you get a chance? Uh, I know they had a they had a like a pre upload of the first episode. Did you get a chance to watch it? I haven't seen the full episode, but I've been watching the trailers and featurettes from the cast and crew and clips that I could find on YouTube. So, so you so you've done your your research? Yeah. Uh, Tim and I this week watched the original. Were you a big fan of the original? Yeah, I love the original. So uh, let me let me start out with this. Uh, I hadn't seen this until just recently. This isn't something I really grew up with, mm-hmm. um, but it it has a special place in most people's hearts. So let me ask you, uh, mm-hmm. what place does this have in your heart? Um, I think it comes from the late '80s, and that was a decade where I feel like teen movies were very popular and I feel like that's where the golden age of teen movies comes from but Heathers I think is interesting because it really defies all the tropes of that genre from that particular time um 
And so that's why I really love it. And there's also a really great musical about that's based off of Heather's as well. So Oh yeah, I heard that was good. Yeah, it's awesome. Talk up the musical. What does the musical do in adaptation really well from the original movie? Yeah, I think um one thing if you're adapting something and you want to add your own changes to it, there has to be a reason to it. Um, which I feel like the pilot didn't really have reasons to all the changes <laughs> they made. But the musical, like there's one aspect that they added into it where Heather Chandler's ghost haunts Veronica throughout the entire um as the musical progresses. And what? I really Yeah, and I really like that because I feel like that shows Veronica's kind of coming to terms with, oh, I messed up and this is bad. I feel guilty. Um, which I feel like in a theatrical sense made that very clear in the musical. Oh yeah. This seems like, uh, I mean, I, I hate that every TV show and every movie becomes a musical these days. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's part of the reason I've fallen out of love with musical theater, but I think this is one of the few movies that is really adaptable to the stage because it is so surreal and weird and it's meant to be, uh, it's, it's meant to be too, uh, crazy, for for film in a way and so i think yeah. on the stage that surrealism would play really well mm-hmm. yeah, yeah definitely so do you want to do you want to give us the plot the plot of heathers yeah oh yeah because there's got to be seven people out there who've never seen heathers there's way more than seven um heathers is about a girl named veronica and she goes to school and her three best friends are all named heather heather chandler heather duke and heather uh McManmara. And she hates them, but she hates Heather Chandler most of all, because Heather Chandler is a quote-unquote mega bitch. And and she really is. She's very mean. She's the worst witch. Um, and so she falls in with this new kid in school uh, who's a rebel named JD, played by an adorable goblin-faced Christian Slater. <laughs> um, and Veronica, played by uh, a nascent uh, name. Winona Ryder. Winona, Winona Ryder, Ryder, right. Um uh, and JD decide one day after Winona has a big fight with Heather Chandler that uh, she and him are going to play a, p- a prank on Heather Chandler because Heather Chandler is about to ruin her life the next day by spreading a terrible rumor. And uh, they, uh, long story short, trick Heather Chandler into drinking Drano and she dies <laughs> by sort of by accident, sort of on purpose. Um and to get out of it, they frame Heather Chandler's death as a suicide by forging a suicide note. And it's this weird experience where they go back to school the next day and suddenly everyone who hated Heather Chandler uh, or who was victimized by her sort of reveres her now that she's dead. Mm-hmm. That, it's, it's, it's so strange. It's an interesting commentary on like the, uh, the insincerity of mass culture, I think. Is something they're tapping into with that? Like, I know I've definitely had that experience of, like, somebody I knew died, and even everyone that didn't like them is like, oh, he was such a good person. And I don't know. It's it, it's really weird. I, Allison, what do you think this movie was trying to say? I think the Heathers, the three of them, they're just this group of popular mean girls, which I feel like is a huge trope in teen movies, and you see that in high schools. And I think for that time, it was, you know, they're both, all three of them are skinny, pretty, white, rich, um, and just like the ultimate symbol of privilege. Um, and then you kind of see this very complex, I think JD is an interesting character because he's probably just a psychopath, but he's so complex. 
And I mean, he has his mother died. Um, in in like a accident his father caused. Yeah, right? yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a story that just takes everything in a teen movie, but makes it so different than anything that you've seen before because it just has so much to say. I think about privilege. And what that means, because I think, I mean, their hatred of the Veronica or the Heathers are because, I mean, they're all blonde, white, rich, pretty, skinny girls. And they're horrible. Yeah, and they're all horrible, and they kind of strike fear in everyone that they go to school with. Um, Well, it's interesting, because, like, I guess, like, Christian Slater is kind of anarchist in that way. mm -hmm. He's like oh, these bullies will tear them down. But if you tear down the bullies, new bullies just come up in mm-hmm. their place. Same boss, old as the new boss. Yeah, meet the new boss, same as the old boss, yeah. 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 As Groucho would say. And they actually say that in the new TV show, and it's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Was um, it directed by my, my history professor that used to say that? Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> the I feel like the thing that's weird about Heathers is that it's it's... It's iconic now, but it's iconic for different reasons. Um, and that's because, like, pre-Columbine, Heathers is really effective satire. And then post-Columbine, it's just really shocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I think if you watched this in the late 80s, which was a time of relative peace and prosperity, and you were, like, a teen, and and uh, there's something funny about this movie and how Veronica always says really violent things sarcastically. She'll be like, oh, I want to kill that girl and make it look like a suicide. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And she's like, no, not literally. And I think if you were that kind of kid in the 80s and you watched this, you'd be like, oh, it's so over the top and surreal and crazy. But the stuff he does in the movie, people have now actually done. And Mm -hmm. that makes it really hard to watch. He pulls out a fake, he pulls out a gun and shoots blanks at somebody, which by the way, if you shoot blanks at somebody point uh, point blank range, that it's not. It would still hurt them. It'd still hurt them. Yeah. A kid in in Orem died that way when I was in high school. Yeah. So, uh... In the very first 10, like, 15 minutes of this of the movie, there's a gun in schools, and it's just like, oh, too real. I had that same feeling when you watch uh, that Twilight Zone episode where William Shatner sees the thing on the wing, and he pulls out a gun at the end of the episode and starts shooting at the thing, and it's like, wait a minute, William, how did you get on the plane with a gun? Oh, right, the 1960s, that's how. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's very strange looking at Heather, especially from the perspective... Of Stoneman Douglas. I feel like we should talk a little bit about Stoneman Douglas. Yeah, go ahead. So in, in the vein of getting hashtag true real at the time of this recording, we, uh, we're living in an age where um, another school shooting happened. But this one in particular is very different than the others. And that's one reason why this feels like a very odd time to be talking about this property. Because this is a property about kids that cause violence uh, two kids not ever in their school except for the very end. There's uh, spoiler alert, I guess. There's a climax that is thwarted uh, with the school bombing, but which, which was something that the kids at Columbine tried to do. Oh yeah, but in in this case, I feel like musical, movie, and television show are all kind of thrown into an interesting stark context by. Not only the fact that a kid recently went up and shot up a school, but the way these kids are responding to it. Um, yeah. What was it that Rachel was saying last week? Uh, or last, last week, last episode about um, uh, kids changing systems, right? Yeah. You mean Megan. Yeah. Or Megan. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I called you Rachel. I'm sorry, honey. Uh, yeah. She was talking about how uh, a lot of... 
a lot of teen fiction is written by older authors, and so it's uh, they don't really trust the kids in the books to change the system. And yeah, anyway, I uh, yeah, it's it's a weird watch. Allison, has your view of this changed? You're you're a few you're a micro generation behind us, right? Yeah, yeah. So was this was this a weirder movie for you to watch? Do you think than than in older days it would have been? Um, I think so. Yeah, I think not only just the aspect of violence and how that's become such a normal thing that happens um, in schools now, like in high school, and I'm only 19, so I've been out of high school for two years now, but like we had bomb threats and like active shooter training all the time. And I think, I mean, when Heathers came out and when it was written, um, that wasn't something that was so normalized and had become so prevalent in our society. And also just the fact that, I mean, JD and Veronica's relationship, I mean, when I watch it now, I see it as really abusive. Mm -hmm. And I think in the eighties, I feel like that kind of abuse was probably very normal. Um, and it still is in a lot of ways, but I think now as a society, we're kind of seeing those kind of behaviors as being like, okay, you're controlling and to have no respect for her. Did, let you me know. ask you this, because I had a weird problem where it's like, it starts like, I'm kind of into him. Yeah, yeah. Like, you feel yeah. weird, right? Because you're like, oh, he's so hot, and mm-hmm. he's so, like, he's like a bad boy, and then it gets in, you're like, oh, I yeah. feel dirty, I feel wrong. Yeah. And I think that kind of, I mean, uh, what's the character's name from The Breakfast Club that, uh... Oh, the... The other bad, the bad boy. The, the bad boy, yeah. Yeah, because, like, you watch that, and you're and like, you oh, he's so hot, and, like, I feel like that's such a trope in teen movies, is like the bad boy and the good girl falls for him. Whereas in Heather's, it's like he is a bad boy, but he's also crazy and violent. Yeah. And it kind of slowly unfolds that he's a lot worse, you know? Yeah, I kind of like watching Veronica, who is sort of a, a lawful neutral, um, getting navigating her way between the extremes of this phony conformity and this terrifying violence mm-hmm. and how she comes out on top of it having, you know, instead of just tearing things down or being part of the system that exists, she goes her own way. And that and that's pretty cool. She goes, Rose Tico, we win this war by saving the things we love. <laughs> and one of those things we love, Martha Dunstock. Yep. The, <laughs> the interesting thing to me is the show is all about how it's almost an indictment of how like this system allowed this violence to happen in a way. It's like the, the weird situation is watching these kids die and then everyone kind of after the fact venerate them, even though they were all horrible people. And it's, it's looking at this horrible system and, well, and the, and the one teacher uses the suicide to get publicity for the school and, and, and like further her own career. And then there's like the great moment where that one kid's like, can I get a copy of this VHS for my Princeton application? Mm-hmm. And it's the moment Veronica just like loses all hope. I like uh, too. the adults in this thing are interesting because I've been commenting before about how adults in teen movies tend to be like absent or impotent. And in this one, like the adults are either purposely impotent or notably culpable. Like JD's dad is clearly a big part of the reason he's messed up. Mm-hmm. And Veronica's parents are checked out in a weird way. But there is the one important scene. That's true. Where no, you, no, no, you go, go, go. Oh, where you? I think you can describe it better than I can. Where Veronica says, "Why can't we just be treated like adults?" And then her mother says, "Her mother's like, this is how adults treat each other. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't get better yeah. as an adult." And I, I wonder, is that the thesis of the movie, you guys? I, I feel like it is. And here's the interesting thing. Because JD says, 
in his one of his final like incoherent anarchist rants that the high school is a microcosm for society mm-hmm. and the weird thing is he's not wrong no yeah. we're willing to watch heathers as an audience and also people are willing to kind of sensationalize the death of teens as tragic oh yeah partly because it's like they they can be treated like adults almost without consequences. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, kids get a lot of latitude to act without consequences because they're kids and they get chances to screw up because their brains don't work right, because they're psychobiologically at their worst. But on the other hand, we kind of use them for, as whipping boys mm-hmm. for a lot of society's ills. And I think that kind of comes out with the Stoneman Douglas element where these kids are kind of pulling a Veronica Storier, except their version of inviting Martha Dunstock over for VHSs is challenging Marco Rubio on national television. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah, these kids have a, a direct line to their lawmakers that we didn't have because Facebook wasn't a thing. No, mm-hmm. no, no legislative person had MySpace when I was in high school. And so it's interesting to see them use that. And and you're right, like people have people's answer when the kids have been like, hey, uh, we are kids and we don't want guns in our school. They're like, well, you eat Tide Pods. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. So it's like, it's, it's almost like their immaturity is an excuse for us to be cruel to them. Yeah. Do you feel that, Allison? Yeah. And I think, I mean, teenagers, they're not as immature and stupid and dumb as I feel like a lot of adults peg them to be. It's, like, think, it's, it's the John Green thing. He's like, teenagers are smart. And yeah, it's like, they're, I mean, yeah. you are figuring out who you are and you're hormonal and a lot of things don't make sense, but I still feel like teenagers are a lot more competent and a lot more intelligent um, and their opinions are, I think, valid. Um, especially on their own safety. Yeah, ex- especially on their own safety. And I just think it's ridiculous that for so long, I feel like a lot of adults are like, well, like, no, because you're a teenager, so your opinion doesn't matter. Or you, you eat Tide Pods, so you're dumb. Like, you know? And in a way, Heather's, I don't, there's almost like there's not as much of a place for it now because there's a point where what JD was saying, like, JD wanted to revolutionize society. He was just going to do it in a way that was horrible mm-hmm. and, and lashing out. But the kids are doing that in a way that's, that's fair and real and that they're entitled to. And I think that it's almost like there's not as much of a place for this movie, even though it's so great, mm-hmm. in this current, like, as of two weeks ago. It's so strange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially because, like, the marketing. So I feel like I was about 10 when Columbine happened. And I feel like that was picked up and packaged and marketed and mass marketed as this huge tragedy. And it was... Like it was, it was everywhere. Like we're only just figuring out that, that, that kind of coverage actually proliferates these things. But so it was, it was everywhere. And I remember there was like a, a, a fake book. I, I'll have to look this up and see if it actually turned out to be fake. But Allison, maybe you heard of this when you were in high school, a book called She Said Yes. Not heard of it. No, maybe yeah. this was just when. So, so by the time I went to high school, five years later, there was a book circulating called "She Said Yes" that claimed that there was a girl at either Columbine or somewhere else that there had been a shooting, and the shooter had asked her if she believed in God, and she said yes, and he killed her. And it turned mm. out to be—I think it turned out to be fake. It turned out to be like, yeah, somebody totally just capitalizing on. A tragedy. If that turned out not to be fake, then I then I apologize. Yeah, I've heard about that um, scenario. I guess uh, with there was a shooting like two years ago at an Oregon community college, 
And supposedly the shooter would ask people, are you a Christian? And then if mm-hmm. they said yes, he would shoot them. So, yeah. Yeah. It's super weird. Mm-hmm. Super, super weird. Did you find Did you find the book? Yeah. She said yes. The Unlikely Martyrdom of Cassie Bernal, um, which was since found to be not based on an inaccurate anecdote. Oh, it, is it really? Was I right? It was yeah. fake? Yeah. So, yeah, this kind of thing... Uh, the the and it's so funny that like how prescient Heather's turned out to be with the adults sort of marketing it and the one guy saying I love my dead gay son and mm-hmm. then JD being like yeah but if he was gay and he was alive would you feel that way yeah or can we only love each other when there's tragedy can mm-hmm. we not do it day to day can we talk about gayness and Heather's yeah go for it and now um so first of all because I haven't seen the musical the musical punches up some of the gay elements of the movie right yeah there's um. It's a pretty funny song, actually, in the musical. Where it's the, a whole song. Where the dads of the, f- the football players that mm-hmm. um, they frame for being killing themselves because they were gay. And a repressed homosexual suicide pack. Yeah. Um, there's a song that's like, my to my gay dead sons um, in the musical. Yeah. But it is interesting because, I mean, in that time period, in that culture, and even now, I feel like the dads wouldn't have been that supportive or that loving about their sons being gay if they had been alive. In do they change the violence in the musical at all? Or is the 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 actual crimes that JD and Veronica commit basically the same? Um I've never seen a live performance of it, so I'm not sure how they would stage it, but from the book and the lyrics it's very it's similar the to the movie. Yeah. So they, they keep it same. So I feel like the tide has turned to talking about, with that, the TV show. Hmm. Wait, I want to, sorry, before, oh, I want to ask one more question of the two of you, and mainly Allison, since you're our, you're the first teen we've ever actually had on the show. Oh, nice. Well, barely a teen. <laughs> she's, she's technically still a teen. Oh, okay. So Got like eight more days of being a teen. Don't rob me of this moment, <laughs> okay. this beautiful moment we're okay. having. Let the Canada geese of my heart fly to heaven, Timothy. <laughs> All right, fine. Okay, so uh, I want to, I want to hear from nurse. you guys. Do you think, uh, we, okay, so we know that violent media doesn't directly contribute to violence, but it can change the way we think about violence. Do you think Heather's is partially responsible for that? Do you think, do you think, I don't know, kind of maybe the coolness, because I know JD, even in the movie, he's framed as the bad guy, Mm -hmm. and Veronica has to get away from him, but like, he still has that panache that you were talking about, Tim, and so I wonder... Is this movie kind of kind of complicit in the culture that has made this level of violence possible? I don't think so. Because I don't think that this movie has much it doesn't reward the kind of masculinity that this violence this is a thing people don't talk about with with school shootings. Mm-hmm. Is they talk about oh mental illness, but they never want to talk about masculinity. masculinity yeah. And that's mm-hmm. that's the common thread. Every shooter is a man. Every single one. Mm-hmm. 98% of mass shooters are men, and every single school shooting is committed by a man. Yeah. So. And most mass shooters are under the age of 30. Yeah. Um, so. And most of them are white as well. So, overwhelmingly. Women tend to stab. There was a stabbing at a junior high <laughs> back home. No, when but I was you do a have a point. Women tend to commit one on one acts of violence, uh-huh. whereas men tend, tend to commit mass acts of violence. So, women tend to target individuals, whereas men tend to target society at large. Hello, mm-hmm. JD. Um, but. To me, a film where it ends with the power move not being that I ended up 
successfully shooting up a school. It's stealing a scrunchie mm-hmm. and then inviting uh, a kid in a wheelchair to, to watch movies doesn't resonate as, yep, that seems like a great idea. I mean, the, the movie's not framed from perspective where it, it really rewards masculinity ever. Like, in the long run, JD doesn't win. Mm-mm. He he's he crumbles under his own ideals. He's like, all right, well maybe whatever high ground he has, he he deep down knows is compromised by the fact that he is trying to kill people. Well, yeah, and also that the very end, he's like, maybe I'm doing this because no one loved me. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, okay, Allison, would you agree? Yeah, I think so. I think also back to what you said earlier about how it's such a satire and kind of over the top and crazy. I don't feel like Heather's. Being the cult classic that it is, I don't think it's the type of movie that people that are, have violent tendencies and want to shoot up a school would necessarily watch and see as, oh, like this is a great idea because look at this movie. Like it worked out so great in this fictional story, you know? That's true. It it definitely doesn't fetishize the violence. Mm-hmm. It The violence is very much there to, to be unbelievable. Yeah. I think that... It was supposed to be, like, uh, this crazy scenario that wouldn't really happen mm-hmm. until it did. Yeah. So, yeah, let's... Okay, sorry, Tim. Uh, let's pivot now to the TV show. To the TV show. Because I feel like in terms of violence and, and, and gayness, those two things play a lot into where this new TV show went wrong. And, and this is something I haven't seen. So I I'm just want to make one. that clear. You, yeah. you have seen it, and Allison saw part of it. Is I'm, that right? <laughs> I'm the sacrificial lamb. I, I heard this described in an ad as an anthology series. Is it is it episodic rather than serial? It's going to be episodic, but they want to do anthology based on seasons. So think like Scream Queens or American Horror Story. Mm. Oh, okay. So, so this season it's Heather's, and then next time it will be something else? And I Well, it would be if, <laughs> if they ever... They're not getting a second season. Gotcha. It's not happening. Um... I want to preface this by saying that I think a lot of people weren't fair to this from the earliest trailers. Like last year when they announced that this was happening. Because there were some people that announced, oh, this is happening. And there's genderqueer, like Heather. And there's like all this stuff. And I was like, I'm... And people are like, how dare you remake Heathers? You can't remake Heathers. Which I don't know if that's true. I don't think anyone can remake Heathers now as of two weeks ago. Because politically, our perception of violence as it relates to teens has just changed so much. Because now the teens are saying, we don't want to be made the glorification of violence anymore. Um, but I think there was a place for it at the time. And and the whole idea is, we're going to update Heather's, uh, kind of this Mean Girls uh, on steroids kind of thing after the fact. And we're going to include like the angles of like social media and that now people can be out and gay and all this stuff, which I was like, yeah, yes, I'm so down for that. That's going to be really cool. There's so many crazy things that you can do as a part of that to make it interesting. I don't think there's anything wrong with Heather's in 2018 in theory. In practice, however? In practice, the way they went was so bad, it's kind of impossible to pull back from. Samantha Allen uh, wrote kind of the the coup de grace um, on this when she wrote an article for the Daily Beast calling it a Trumpian LGBT bashing nightmare, mm-hmm. which it is because it supposes in this world that the Heathers are all the most popular kids in school because uh, not just in spite of or kind of incidental to the fact they are a a heavy set girl 
a genderqueer person and a black lesbian, respectively, uh, not incidental to, but it also because of, that on some level that these kids are using their clout to be the most popular kids in school and use it to bully people, mm-hmm. which is fine in theory. Like, that does happen, but it does not happen in American schools. It doesn't, and it doesn't happen with that kind of identity politics in that way. Like, I had I had gay and, and gender... Well, I, I don't think I had a gender non-binary friend, but I had gay friends in high school, and they were they were popular. I had a a gay friend that was prom king and he was very popular, but it wasn't so much because he was gay, but because he was very nice to people and he was a cool guy. Like it was not, he, he never leveraged his, his gayness in, in a weird way. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and so the weird thing is they're supposing that these kids are able to be the most popular kids in school, which you were in school recently enough to know Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen. Yeah. We live in a bigger city in the middle of a metropolitan area. And this is what's more in the middle of Ohio. Mm -hmm. This is an Ohio small town. This takes place in it. So as a satire, it kind of fails out of the gate because satires have to be rooted in reality. Otherwise you're making fun of something that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Allison, what was your feel when you watched it? I think one of the first things that I read about and noticed was that it seems to be kind of making fun of calling people out on their political incorrectness. Mm-hmm. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, like the Heathers in it um, have a lot of Twitter followers and anyone that's fat shaming or slut shaming or culturally appropriating, they they'll kind of, post about it and, yeah, then and like publicly shame them and, and then get their followers to dogpile. Yeah. And I think, and that, that and that's kind of problematic because I think in our political climate, like people are so fed up with political correctness and especially, you know, Trump supporters and just to have that kind of be seen as bullying in a sense, in the TV show, just doesn't seem. But why the the really bewildering thing about it, the new TV show is like, why make this for gay kids? Because that's mm-hmm. who it's for. It has to be because yeah. that's who they're marketing to. I think on some level they thought like, oh, well, there's kind of a power fantasy in being a Heather, which to be fair, you know, there's a little bit of truth to that. Mm-hmm. People, I think on some level want to be mega bitches sometimes, but like these kids don't want to watch their groups being talked down to for an hour well, and they, and they lean into it. Like they talk about yeah. like, Oh, you have to be an identity. Like, like Veronica has an interview with her school counselor and she's like, well, what are you? You have to be something in order to be, and she didn't say like, be something, be like, or to be a goth kid or a theater kid. It's not even concerned with stereotypes. It's concerned with identity politics. Mm-hmm. You have to be a marginalized group. And then when she meets JD, that's how he introduces himself. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm not anything either. And he talks about marginalized groups. And then they, in place of the the scene in the movie where the principal and everyone talks about Heather Chandler's death, they're all sitting around talking about like what a genderqueer person is where it's like, it's horrible. And it's, yeah. it's, it's so, it's so far away from reality. Well, this is the, this is the thing. Is it, if the, I, I, ugh, I hate to, I'm not going to say I told you so. But I did tell you. You did. That they would not capture the spirit of the original. And, and, my, and if, if the spirit of the original is a critique of the systems that exist, the the phoniness of popularity, and the, the degrading nature of capitalism, then you don't want to put... You don't want to have the Heathers as a power fantasy because they represent something bad in the original film. And you don't want to have JD as a power fantasy for obvious reasons. And so (laughs) there shouldn't... No, the person you should identify identify with should be Veronica. 
Well, ironically enough, so the spoilers for the Heather's TV show, because kind of the twist they went with is, as of the end of the first episode, no one is actually dead. Turns out they tried to kill Heather Chandler and it didn't work. And mm-hmm. she just didn't show up to school the next day or correct anyone and lets everyone think for a day that she's committed suicide. Mm-hmm. So it, I do think that if you're making a TV show, there is something to the idea of having sympathetic antagonists in a way you can't in a movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like Regina George could not exist. Like no one wants to see Regina George for, uh, for a season and a half. They want to see Cheryl Blossom. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, the idea of, like, oh, we've got a small army of Cheryl Blossoms, I'm like, hell yeah, that works in theory. And I think there's something fine with doing that. The problem is that they're, they're not just mean. They're mean in a way which is not rooted in real meanness. Yeah. And also, can I just point out, like, it's hard to... that I was, I've been thinking here, as I've been sitting here, about that social media thing and how there is kind of like a, like a woke dog pile. And I think... I think those kind of social media dog piles happen, whether it's somebody being offended because someone actually did a shitty thing or somebody being offended because someone did an innocuous thing. Like Mm -hmm. it it happens, but it's hard to criticize a teen for being part of that because their social media is like kind of their only power in society. And it's also like, they're just too, they're just too little to, to fault for that. And here's the other funny thing. Heather's aims to mock society at large, but also teenagers' vapidness as a response to that when it comes to violence. Real teenagers just experience violence and are using their social media, but they're not using it to dogpile on anyone. Yes, they clap back at people who aren't fair to them, but they're organizing a march. Mm -hmm. Like, they're not just sitting on their asses and profiting from, you know, their own experiences. They're... They're making something out of it. So it's kind of like the premise is also wrong because in real life, look at what teens are doing with their social media. They're pushing for political change. Hell, like how many companies have boycotted the NRA at this point? Like uh, Walmart and uh, Dick's Sporting Goods are raising the prices or raising their age limit on the guns they sell. Like they're affecting change already and they're not even done. Delta Airlines stopped giving the NRA a discount. That's right, they did. Giving a discount. And it's even crazier, I think, that I don't know if you saw Trump's most recent like press conference, but he's changed a lot of his... The w- stances on guns uh, and least, kind of or at least he's blowing in the wind yeah and like i yeah. don't know how genuine that is but that's like crazy to think that trump who's like this very republican conservative president is ostensibly republican yeah is going kind of against traditionally very republican stances on gun control and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that these teenagers just are not sitting down and being quiet about this like they're upset that they a lot of teens still go to school every day and are scared of being shot or like you were you were in school what two three years ago Mm -hmm. i it's been a while for me dory do you remember doing school shooter drills uh we did not have lockdown drills but i did participate in a lot of swat simulations as a theater student which were designed to train the local swat team where we would play the shooters and victims of a of some kind of hostage situation to give them practice on splitting up something like that. But I never we didn't have drills. I I finished school around the beginning of the Obama administration. So even in that short time, I don't remember having school shooter drills. You did. Yeah, I've had active shooter training both in high school and then even coming to college. Um, 
I was involved in a sorority for a year and like we had active shooter training. Did you go to East High School? No, I I went to a boarding school. Boarding school? Yeah. Did they have metal detectors? Mm Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah. Like, it's so weird watching this movie after Stoneman Douglas and one of the first things, one of the first images is she walks into school and there's four metal detectors, each with bright primary colors on them Mm -hmm. (laughs) to kind of like make them more like school palatable for children and it's so horrible. Yeah. Um... Uh, and you were saying something about the NRA and Delta. Oh, I just think it's funny that Delta was giving a discount to a gun interest group when you can't even take a gun on a plane. Yeah. Like, what's the what's the point? I mean, they stopped. So good job, Delta. But also, that was like the minimum, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was good. Well, we are almost out of time. So I we this has been like a weird a weird episode, a weird more serious episode than we're used to. So uh, to end on a lighter note. Um, let's talk about something else that we've been watching or listening to. Oh, well, can I mention that, one thing? Oh, that yeah, comes go ahead. To mind? Have you seen Daria? Mm-mm. Uh, have you seen Daria, Dory? Absolutely, yes. You okay. and I watched it many times. So Daria is interesting to me because Daria is the post-Columbine kind of teen thing, and it captures teenagers in a really interesting way, where if Heather's is kind of this hyper-consumerist society, you know, stereotype-driven thing, Daria is like the total deconstruction of that. Every teenager mm-hmm. is boiled down to their basic exhaustion at this at at society rather than participating in it. But Daria also had an episode th- that was about kind of tragedy and death, but did it in a more interesting way. And I feel like that's worth mentioning. Like the there was a sense of realism after Daria mm-hmm. about active shooters, not active shooters even, but just violence because a kid dies and Daria and her friends have to deal with... Oh, and she hated him, huh? Yeah, they hated him because he was awful to everyone, to everyone. Mm -hmm. And then everyone wants to talk to Daria. This is the episode Misery Chick, which is one of the best episodes of the show. And everyone wants to talk to Daria after this football player gets crushed by a a field goal that that collapses on top of him Mm -hmm. off screen. And everyone wants to talk to Daria because Daria is the most, like, wokest of all the 90s kids and also the most in touch with, like, emotional intelligence, even though she's so detached from everyone because of that. And it's this weird thing where there's so much more truth to uh, that story to me. And I feel like a, a good contrast to Heather's in this day and age where it's all about, you know, that everyone wants to make a circus out of other people's tragedies where it's like, no, on some level, after a real tragedy happened, after Columbine... The kids sat down and they actually have to process it. Like the emotional core of the of the episode is Daria sits down with her best friend and says, I have these conflicting emotions because everyone is making this about me. I don't want it to be about me. And I also feel weird because I didn't like this person and he's dead and it sucks because those are conflicting. Mm. Like he didn't deserve what happened to him, but I don't like him either. Yeah. So Yeah. Daria is awesome. So uh yeah, we are just about out of time. We've got a few minutes left and I uh, to just kind of pick the mood back up, uh, I want to have us mention something we've been watching or listening to that is fun and is making us happy. And maybe if it, if it shows teenagers in a realistic or positive light, extra points. Uh, Tim, you got anything like that? Oh, um, Black Panther is awesome. Uh, while we're talking about teenagers that are cool doing things, Black Panther has Shuri, which is such a mm-hmm. great teenage character. Oh. Um, and I hope we see her in a Spider-Man. That would be so cool. Yeah. Shuri and yeah. Spider-Man hang out, mm-hmm. uh, solve crimes in Oakland, California. It's great. great. Um, do you have a horse in that race, Allison? The Marvel race? <laughs> what does that mean? Like, like, oh, do you, you do you care Marvel, about like Marvel, Marvel stuff? Guy? Uh, kind of. I dislike some, but I loved Black Panther because I usually don't really like Marvel movies that much. But 
it's full of so many great yeah, fun the characters. Black great. I've been watching more of The Magicians, and I just got to say, that has had some really strong episodes recently. That show is still kind of trash, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's really fun trash, and it's it's been really engaging me in terms of like life crisis kind of uh, experience. And, and in a way, feels a little bit like our current political situation where everything feels kind of drained and sappy. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're kind of dealing with a, their own situation that shows. I've enjoyed that. That's fun. Allison, how about you? Um, if you haven't seen Lady Bird yet, I would oh highly gosh, yes. recommend that. Uh, I've seen it like three times now, and I need to see it. Still. It's so good. I think it's one of the most like honest movies about what it feels like to be a teenage girl in their senior year of high school. And like I have never like related to a movie that much, um, for so many reasons. And well, she's, it's so she's like funny. She's a theater kid, isn't she? Yeah, she like does theater. She goes to Catholic school. I went to Catholic school. Um, her relationship with her mom, um, like after watching it, like I called my mom immediately, and I feel like that's a lot of people's responses <laughs> to watching that movie. Is like, oh, I have to go call my mom. Did you, did you read that that article online from that guy, uh, Kyle Turner? He's a writer in New York, and he talks about how like the show got him to talk to his mother again, who he hasn't spoken to in years. Really? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. We should just do a Lady Bird episode. Maybe we'll do that for Patreon. So we'll see. <laughs> um, I have been drowning in the glory that is the animated Clone Wars series. Mm. I've fallen deep down that rabbit hole. That is a teen. And it has a teen, Ahsoka Tano, <laughs> who is a great teen character. She's very competent and capable, and she's young and makes mistakes, and she's a great audience avatar for the Clone Wars as she follows around these legendary Jedi and tries to keep up. So, yeah, great, great Clone Wars. I love any time that Anakin kills somebody, and then he's just like, what? <laughs> Come on! One of my favorite things so far, I'm sorry, I, I know we're, oh gosh, one of my favorite things so far is um, Obi-Wan gets himself into like a catch-22 where there's a bad guy and he can't take care of the bad guy without upsetting this other thing and and it's all, it's this tense standoff mm-hmm. with Obi-Wan and his love interest and this bad guy and, then- and Anakin comes up and stabs the bad guy from behind and kills him and Obi-Wan. they're like... And Obi-Wan's like, Anakin! And he goes, what? He was going to blow up the ship. (laughs) (laughs) And so, like, there's a lot of, yeah. uh, Sorry, I love the Clone Wars. So that's what I've been doing. It's, yeah. Such a good, such a good show. Well. That's that's about it for us. Do you guys have anything you want to plug? Any upcoming projects? Is the U doing any shows? Uh, Not that I'm in currently. (laughs) (laughs) Then they're good to us. Um, see us next. I, I don't know. I guess I want to plug our next episode. We're going to be talking about Wrinkle in Time. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. Which will be a nice skip and a beat from hashtag to real, which is where we've been. We're going to go instead and talk about a fantasy movie. Cool. Is there anything cool happened at the Film Society? Um, just come see Lady Bird. Lady Bird is yeah. almost yeah. done with its run. Um, my show opens next weekend. The Little My Maid at the Off-Broadway Theater. Is that about a teenager? It is. It's about a, well, it's about a young woman who uh, wants to become a human because she wants to be in the singles ward. And she sings a song called Part of Your Ward. So. Oh my God. It's pretty <laughs> rad. I play a, a talking crab person. So that's great. You should come see it. It runs March 9th through April 14th, every Friday, Saturday, and Monday. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at JDRC podcast. You can email us at JDRClove at gmail.com. You can go to our website, JDRefreshmentCommittee.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Dory E. Peacock. You can follow Tim at CyberMormon. Allie, would you like our listeners to follow you on Twitter? I don't have a Twitter. (gasps) Allie Allison does not have a Twitter. (laughs) That is so refreshing. 
So refreshing, my young Luddite. Okay. <laughs> um, thanks, everybody, for listening. These are our sign-offs. Corn nuts. <laughs> thanks, and remember, we won't judge you, but we will bring the Jello salad to your trial. <laughs>